Good morning, New Life. It is good to be with you again this morning. <clears throat> Thanks to Christopher and to Kathy for leading us through some laughter and also an opportunity to just kind of catch our breath and turn our attention to God and to begin to, to look upward, um, look inward. We want to take you along in that journey further by spending a few minutes here this morning uh, talking about some, something that we all deal with. And, and the question that I want to ask you is simply this. How do you know what God wants? Or another way of saying that is, how are we to know God's will? What does he actually want us to do with our lives? What does he want us to do day by day? And so often people are faced with choices in life and they agonize over whether they should do this or they should do that. And I'm sure that you have experienced that as well. So I want to tell you a story about how uh, that has been uh, a part of our life for, for Claire and myself. In 2008, we were trying to decide whether we should stay here in Canada or move to London, England. And we had, been, uh, we had pulled a, a group of people around us that we trusted. We asked them to pray with us. And we were to the point where we were actually um, feeling like we were going to London, and yet there was still some uncertainty. We were to go to Toronto to apply for our visas uh, for living in the UK. And the day before our appointment, which was an early morning appointment, we went to a hotel in downtown Toronto to spend the night so we wouldn't have to deal with the traffic in the morning and all of that. We got to the hotel in the afternoon and our room was not ready. So they said, well, could you please just sit here on the couch and wait and we'll get it as soon as we can. And we had walked along the street coming into the hotel, hadn't noticed things, but when we sat down on the couch, we looked out onto the street it was all glass at the front of the hotel. And across the street, there was a giant billboard uh, staring us in the face. And we were preparing to go to London. And when we looked out and we saw this billboard across the street, this is what we saw. I like London. You will too. And we looked at each other. And we kind of had that look of awe on our face. And then we started to laugh. And I said to Claire, you can't make this up. This is, this is too much. And we did have a good laugh about that. We could have taken that as a sign from God that God was telling us, yes, I want you to go to London. But we also realized that just as easily, the British government could have rejected our visa application and we wouldn't have been able to go. It was very uh, affirming. It was, it, was, it was really good to see that. But we weren't treating it like, oh, okay, God, if you give us a sign, then we'll know what to do. And yet so often in life, I'm sure that you felt that way. God, just give me a sign. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. So over the next four or five weeks, we want to spend time talking about knowing God's will. How do you discern the will of God for you? Today, we're going to look at how scripture helps us with that. But I'm sure you have questions about how you do that. So we're going to put a poll up here, and um, we've done this a few weeks already. For those of you who have participated, it's a live poll. You can uh, type in that number that you see, send your text message with your phone, send your text message to uh, the 37607, I think that's the number. 
And then in the body of the text, you type uh, NLC 936. Hit send, it will allow you into the poll. And then type in your question, any question that you want. And over the next four weeks, we will take those questions, Christopher Rosevier and myself, on the last week, which is in July, we'll actually just address the questions that you've asked and try to answer as many of them as we can on a Sunday. But what I want to ask you to do now is, if you do have a question, text it in. And at the end of today, we'll come back and we'll actually look at those questions to see what you've already been asking about. So today, let's talk about how scripture, um, how this here can help us to understand God's will. There's a verse uh, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, and it says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's a really encouraging piece of scripture. I think sometimes what people are tempted to do is to read that verse and then assume that if I go to the Bible, it will show me what I'm supposed to do. It will help me make the decisions that I need to make. And the danger of doing that is when we, when we misunderstand sometimes what Scripture is saying to us, we begin to treat it like a prescription book. So your word is a, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I think sometimes you might read that and think, well, if I just search hard enough, I'll find a verse that will tell me what to do. And then the Bible becomes this prescription book. And when we treat the Bible like a prescription book, we often end up becoming more concerned with being right or being wrong than we are with actually the condition of our heart. When you use the Bible as a prescription book, you actually end up using it to justify what you're already thinking. That's often what happens. I'll give you an example that's very pertinent to today. All of the protests that are going on right now against racism, against segregation, uh, against uh, past a history of slavery, and actually slavery that's still in the world today. Hundreds of years ago, uh, people who professed to be Christian and followers of Jesus came over to this land and they took it from the indigenous peoples. And they referred to uh, the Israelite people entering Canaan and taking that land. God gave that land to them. And they used the Bible to justify what they thought was the will of God, which was actually just what they wanted. And then they brought over a whole free labor market in the slave trade. And they used scripture to justify that because in places in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writing said, such as Colossians 3.22, slaves obey your earthly masters. And they used the Bible as a prescription book to justify what they wanted to do and said, this must be the will of God. It's very dangerous when we use the Bible that way, because we treat it like, uh, like a Rorschach inkblot test. We basically see what we want to see when we read it. And when we use it as a prescription book, we're more concerned with being right or wrong than about the condition of our heart. We become more fearful about making the wrong choice rather than understanding that when, when the Bible says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, it is lighting the way for us to come to God not to give us situational ethics or, or to um, give us an answer for every decision we need to make. The whole point of scripture is to lead us to Jesus. 
And as we come to Jesus, we begin to understand who God is. And we begin to open ourselves up to his, uh, his authority in our lives. And what ends up happening is that rather than you reading the scriptures, the scriptures begin to read you. When you read the Bible like a love letter that it was meant to be, rather than a prescription book, that love letter shows you the heart of God. It shows you how he sees you, how he sees the world. It shows you who he is. And those scriptures begin to read you rather than you reading those scriptures. So, the Apostle Paul, who was a, a church planter, he was a leader, uh, he wrote a lot of letters that we have in our New Testament. He wrote to a group of Christians in the city of Rome. So the letter is called Romans. And in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul is talking to them about God's will specifically. And he has spent 11 chapters explaining to them who God is through Jesus and what he has done for this world and how he operates in this world. And then he comes to chapter 12, and this is what he says. Um, well, because of everything I just told you, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then here's the verse. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And when you do this, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So here's the Apostle Paul saying, you know, as we, as we let the scriptures bring us to God, we open ourselves up to God, we open ourselves up to the person of Jesus, to the Spirit of God, and then God begins to transform us from the inside. He changes our heart, He makes us new, and He gives us a new way of thinking. He gives you a new way of thinking. So when you're sitting there trying to discern uh, what God wants you to do, you might be thinking, well, I need to go to the scriptures to get help. Yes, you do. But let those scriptures actually bring you into God's presence. Let them allow you to become more aware of God, more knowledgeable of God, but, but more intimate with God. And as you open yourself up to God because of what you're reading in the scriptures, God begins to transform you. And you actually begin to change the way you think. God changes your thinking. You begin to think the way God thinks. You begin to see the world the way God sees the world. And as you do that, it allows you to become more aware of how God operates in this world. And when you're faced with situational ethics choices, it's not so much about fumbling through trying to find the right answer. It's about being aware of how God already sees this situation. What's really cool about all of this is the more that you immerse yourself in the scriptures, the more you become aware of who God is, who you are, how he operates in this world, the more you begin to think like God does. So I want to bring you to this verse of Scripture here. 
It's in the book of Philippians chapter 2. It's the Apostle Paul writing again. And he, he's writing to people that are facing some challenging times. And he's encouraging them. And he's using this word joy a lot, or the, word, the, the verb form of that, rejoice. And as you get into chapter 2, he says to them, uh, it is possible for you to actually take on the attitude of Jesus. You can live like Jesus. And you're doing that because as you're immersing yourself in Scripture, you're being introduced more and more to who God is in the person of Jesus. And as you begin to get changed through that, the Apostle Paul is saying, have the same attitude that Jesus had. So he says, the attitude that Jesus had is that he put people in front of himself. He put people ahead of himself. And you begin to have that same kind of thinking. And then he says, have the same attitude of Christ who was in very nature God. But, and then he goes through and there's actually a hymn there in Philippians chapter 2. But he says, don't look out only for your own interests, also to the interests of others. And that is a very different way of living than what we're used to. And this is the change that Jesus brings into our life. We're very self-centered, uh, me first. And as we let the scriptures show us God's heart that turns us outward, so we're more tuned towards God and tuned towards the needs of others. And it's very counterintuitive. But it is this amazing transformation that happens. As Paul wrote in Romans 12, God changes your heart, he changes your mind, the way you think. And then in chapter 2, this is what he writes. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. This is in verse 12 in chapter 2. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Work out your salvation with the sense of awe of what God has done. And then he writes this in verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Did you catch that? God is at work in you and he's giving you the desire and the ability to actually do what pleases him, to live out his will. When you use the scriptures as this love letter to draw you into deeper and deeper intimacy with the God who created you, with the God who sees you fully, you begin to understand who he is. Jesus shows us the Father in ways that we could never have imagined. And the Spirit of God opens our mind's eye and our heart's eye to understand these things. And the more we say yes, the more he's able to make uh, this a reality in our lives and changed thinking in our changed will in a changed heart and then God actually is the one doing the work in us and the desires that we begin to have are the very same desires that God has so earlier when Paul says you know you should put others ahead of yourself we think well I can't do that but the more you learn to stay turned towards God the more he does a work in your heart and your mind that the very things that you begin doing are actually the things that pleases God and what that means is in all the scenarios that you face in your life you can do what you want because what you're wanting to do will be the very thing that God wants for you anyway your closeness and your intimacy with God actually just leads you into doing the things that God desires for you anyway so often I'm approached by people who, uh, who want to do certain things and they don't know what to do. 
and they're often wanting to do things that are going to be damaging to them and damaging to others. And they'll say, well, I think this is what God wants for me. And I'll have to say to them, well, you know, how did you come to that conclusion? And they might quote a verse or they might just say, this is how I feel. And then I, I try to help them see God's heart. And we walk through the scriptures to see how God operates in this world. And I love the fact that Paul wrote this for us. God works in you, giving you the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. It becomes much easier to know whether we should do this or that because we understand who God is and how he operates in this world and what he wants for us. I hope that's an encouragement for you today. Um, that will give you the ability to, do, to make little decisions. Often when we say yes to God in the small things, it makes it easier to say yes in the big things. So when you say yes to the small things, like giving your time, giving your resources, giving uh, uh, yourself to another person, it actually allows you to do that in bigger ways down the road because you understand who God is and how he operates. God has changed your thinking. You're being transformed from the inside out, being made new. And the scriptures just lead us more and more into that awareness of how God wants to do a work in our lives. Now, in the coming weeks, we're actually going to talk about some other things, how God gave us uh, reason or rationality, or sometimes we would just call it common sense, uh, how tradition, how the long history of how Christians have grappled with things can actually help us, how the community can help us, and how our own life experience and even the Spirit of God helps us to discern what God wants. All these things come together, but we wanted to start today by introducing you to this concept of how the scriptures can help us know God's will. So here's what I'd like to do. I, I want to come back to the poll to see if there are any questions that have arisen in there, and I'm just opening this up now on my iPad and uh, seeing how some of these are coming through. So how do you discern the will of God? Um, well, these are coming through quick. Why is it bad to look for a sign? How do you discern the will of God without using the Bible as a prescription book? That's a great question. Uh, maybe I answered that today, maybe I didn't. Um, what would learning the will of God mostly come from the life of Jesus? So there's a few questions that are in there. And you can also email me questions, paul at newlifecallingwood.com. And over the next four weeks, we'll com compile all those questions and we'll look for common themes and then we'll try to answer some of them. And uh, obviously today, I, I won't have answered all your questions. I maybe created more questions than what I've answered. And the idea is on the last Sunday, we'll try to cover as many of those as we can. So um, I trust that's been helpful for you, encouraging for you. And uh, we'll come back to this uh, week